approximately one in every 59 children are born with autism. Albert Einstein. Dr. Einstein had no speech until age three. Steve Jobs. He was a loner. He brought snakes to school. Leonardo da Vinci. This man was far advanced on the autism spectrum. I'm not naughty. I'm autistic. And I just get too much information. Today's episode is a continuation of the sensory processing training. We are now in day two. During the first day of the training, or day one, if you will remember, we talked about the introduction to sensory processing. We have sensory input being received either by our external senses or internal senses. Our external senses are our eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and touch. While our internal senses are our vestibular, interoceptors, and my favorite internal sense, which is the proprioceptor. We also gave some high-level examples to show how our brains integrate sensory input to process the information. The sensory input could be one or more depending on the situation or the event. And then if there is too much information being experienced by a person, this then becomes overwhelming or starts to become overwhelming to that person. And chances are, this may result in sensory overwhelm, which is often common for a person with autism. Everyone is different with sensory processing. That is why, as a parent, we need to identify and understand the activity or activities that may lead to either calming or alerting for a person. The question we need to answer would be, as a parent, is... What sensory input or inputs are triggering the person's change in alert level or in their uh, behavior? If we are aware of what those triggers are, we can help adjust the child's behavior from high alert to just right level or from having a low alert level to going to just right level as well. Examples to your list. The examples that we have provided are divided into two groups. Let's call the first group as calming examples, while the second group will be our alerting examples. There are tons of triggers that we can think of, but for the interest of time, let me just share about five examples per group that we have identified. The examples are simple and are relatable. Feel free to start an alerting list for your child and you can add further if you want to as well. And from that list, you can also share that to your kids or to your other kids if your child with uh, autism has siblings. Or you can also share that list from other family members so that they are also going to or they are too will be aware about these triggers. And this will give them an idea on what trigger or triggers to avoid and whatnot. In my examples, I know you can come up with better, better ones as well. Feel free to note them down. Consider these additional examples as additional tools on your belt. And then a little disclosure again, I'm not an expert. I just want to cement what I have learned by teaching them as well here in this podcast. I know these are just basic examples and very common and may no longer be new to you. But these are fundamental information that are 
also foundational as well for our body senses. The more aware we are of the functions and triggers on a fundamental level, the better we can understand the reason behind such behavior, why is it happening to your child or people on the autism spectrum. First, let's start with oral mouth sensations. This in input is sensed with our mouth, so to speak. The tongue specifically will sense the taste. The food that we eat, is it sour? Is it sweet? Is it bitter? The level of bitterness, sourness, and sweetness depends on the person, by the way. The following are examples for calming. Drinking milkshake through straw. Uh, the act of drinking alone with the milkshake is calming. And then the smoothness of the milkshake as well. It's perceived by our sense of taste and our sense of touch uh, inside our, our mouth. Drinking warm milk. Similarly with milkshakes, the warm milk. Similarly with milkshakes, the warm feeling of milk is calming. Plus, the milk itself is usually being uh, drunk before bedtime, so the person who who took it may also have a good night's sleep. The next one is eating crunchy carrots. We did mention about crunchy carrots in the last episode and why this could be both calming or can also be alerting for for the person. The sound produced by chewing the carrots for some can be alerting while the act of chewing alone is calming. Chewing usually triggers our internal senses which is the proprioception or proprioceptor which allows our body to, to feel calm. And then the next one is eating chewy food. So this is somewhat similar with eating crunchy carrots. The chewy food acts as a calming due to the proprioceptor and then the taste is also a contributing factor to that. And then the next one is uh, sucking on a lollipop. This last example is also triggering the proprioception or proprioceptor which also has something to do with our muscles. So it, it, it is indeed a, a calm or it is um, resulting to a calming effect to the person. On the other hand, here are the examples for alerting. We have eating crackers. The sound it produces when eating a cracker could be alerting. In my case, my son seems to love eating crackers. And this may have something to do again with the taste, the proprioception or proprioceptor. And then uh, again, this will be vary or this will vary from child to child. And then the next one is we have ice cubes as alerting. So ice cubes are considered alerting. Uh, the temperature can be a trigger. Some are sensitive to the cold feeling of, of the ice. And then if put in the mouth, it can trigger brain freeze as well, which will result to an alerting experience. And then the next alerting example is sour or bitter foods. This is the opposite of sweetness where sweet food is considered as calming but not too much of course and then the next one will be salty food again this is a uh, similar to sour foods which is opposite of sweetness spicy this is an obvious one so th those not into spicy food this is not uh, something that they will consider as having a calming effect all right so now let's move to the next sensory activity which is movement here are some calming activities or triggers. The first one is swinging. 
by the looks of it, the act of swinging alone looks to be an alerting, but the result of uh, swinging to a person gives a sense of calming. It looks to me that swinging is somewhat like steaming to me because it's a repetitive activity. It's a backwards and forwards swing, and then it has a pa pattern, given pattern, right? This is just my observation, but I could be 50% wrong here. All right, the next one is rocking. Similarly, this rocking activity produces calming effect because it's a pattern activity or pattern movement, pattern type movement. And then the next one is we have bouncing. This is also considered as calming activity. This is a repetitive activity or repetitive movement with pattern. So up, down, up, down. The next one, the fourth one, is rhythmic movements. And then the last one is heavy muscle work. This is something to do with, again, with proprioceptors, our proprioceptors. The activities I mentioned involve muscle movements and they stimulate our, our brains through proprioceptors. The end result is usually a calming effect, especially for people on the autism spectrum. Moving on to the alerting activities, here are some examples. Irregular jerky movements. This is opposite to having rhythmic activities. The next one is unexpected touch. A lot of people, I suppose, would react to unexpected touch on the skin. This act may end up causing anxiety to people on the uh, autism spectrum. On the other hand, pressure touch as well may result in a calming effect as long as it's uh, uh, it's expected. Next one is spinning, though my son loves spinning. So this is calming for him. It actually depends on the person. So there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just uh, something that we can test or we can st start observing. And then next one would be rapid changes of direction. This is alerting because there's no rhythmic uh, to the activity and the person doesn't know the, the next activity or the next uh, input. And in this instance, this may be an overwhelming effect to the person. The last one for the alerting activities of movements, uh, chasing games. So chasing games is also another sample as having no way of knowing what the next move will be. So this will end up to be an anxiety to the person. Okay, so the next sensory movement is touch. Here are some calming ex examples. Deep pressure. I mentioned before that an unexpected touch is alarming. And one way to counter this is by deep pressure. It could be by pressure touch or a warm hug. Okay. Next one is cuddles. Cuddles are somewhat similar to hugs. So same outcome, it will be producing calming effect or effects. And then massage is the third one. Massaging is also putting pressure on the person's skin like deep pressure. To me, it seems like it's a rhythmic activity as well. So you know where the next move will be. Okay, next one is squeezy toys. As per my observation, squeezy toys have something to do with muscles and the proprioceptions as well. Right, the next one is having tight clothes. Having tight clothes, again, is putting pressure onto our body and 
or this may result to calming effects. And then on the other hand, here are some examples of alerting for sense of touch. The temperature, which is a cold or hot temperature, people may end up being more anxious or being more alert during winter time. And then the next one is wind on skin. Wind on skin is like an unexpected touch. So when you, a wind suddenly blows to your skin, you may end up being alert as to why the sudden change in, in the weather or something like that. And then next one is rough texture, which is very common as well. So if the, the texture, especially on the clothes that we wear, or it's not that soft, it will pr definitely produce uh, an alarming uh, or alerting effect on the person. And then labels on clothes. So this is a no-no. One parent on the session did share some insights about the labels on shirts. In their experience, these labels have uh, to go every time they buy new clothes for their child because it's, it's kind of like having a t-shirt label made out of cactus stitched right at the back. So that's how it felt. The last one is hair and nail cutting. Hair and nail cutting is also alerting. Uh, the cut pieces of hair can go to your skin and then can irritate the person's skin. And then the next sensory, which is visual. The common examples are dim lights. Some prefer to have dimmer surroundings because bright lights may not be convenient as part of the environment. And it produces anxiety and, and overwhelming sensation as well as to having uh, a very bright environment. And then pastel colors as well. The colors produced by the pastels are lighter and more relaxing. Then the next one is uniform colors. Having uniform colors is also calming. There's only one pattern in the color. Having organized space this is very basic, I suppose. If your space is organized, it will be calming to, to whoever will see your space, right? Then having the last one is having smaller spaces. This is having a comfort space, I suppose. For the next sensory activity, which is the sound. So the sound also plays a vital role in alerting or calming in response to uh, or in response of a person on the autism spectrum. Here are some calming examples. Having a quiet place or places to go to. And then the next one is soft music. So basically, if it's playing soft music is calming, and that is fairly obvious. But in my case, I'll, uh, I will give you an example. So I love listening to heavy metal music, which is uh, my music since I was, I was just a, a kid. And then whenever I play my music at home, the level of or the volume is just about 9 a.m. on the volume knob. So that it won't disturb the people around the house, especially my son who has autism. And then there was actually a time when I turned off my music and suddenly he came to me crying. And then I couldn't figure out what he was trying to communicate to me. So he just cried and cried. And then I checked or tried to observe what he was doing before that event. And then I know he was only right on, on his corner playing uh, by himself and then he came to me and then I realized that the only different thing that I've done is 
turn off my music. So again, I turn on my music, and then he st- he suddenly stopped crying. So I was actually thinking, does he really want to listen to that, or 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 what? So anyway, I was impressed. By the way, so it was a, a heavy metal music, and then suddenly he likes to listen to it. And it seems like I can start playing heavy metal music a little bit louder, but not too loud still. And then even when he's around, I know that he's not going to be um, annoyed or he's not gonna gonna cry because he he's he's um, irritated by the sound. So I'm trying to figure out what happened that time, and I guess it also has something to do with with the pattern. I mean, regardless of music genre, every song has its own pattern, right? So you know, if it's a the first stanza, second stanza, and then the chorus, first stanza, chorus, first stanza, chorus, something like that. So there's a pattern. So maybe because of the pattern, that's why he kind of liked the the music. Moving on, the next or the the third one is rhythmical sound. So similarly, as mentioned, there is pattern or pattern to the rhythmic in rhythmical sound in music. So I was trying to say the sound is so predictable. Like I said, first stanza, chorus, second stanza, chorus, third stanza, stanza, chorus. That's it. There's a pattern. Okay, so moving on to the fourth one, low tones. Low tone is the opposite of loud, so basically this is considered as calming as well. And then the last one is classic music. This genre of music, I believe, may have the same impact. The music in itself has is a pattern of notes. That's why it's a calming or it produces calming effect. So the opposite of calming for sound is alerting. And here are some of the examples. We have irregular noise. This is the opposite of rhythmic sound. There's no pattern and it causes confusion on what can be the next sound to occur. The next one or the second one is unexpected noise. This is sudden bang or it could be an accident where you accidentally drop a plate on the floor and suddenly you hear a crashing sound and that produces unexpected sound or noise. And then the third one is loud sound. So this is the opposite of low tones or being in a quiet place. The fourth one, which is high pitch. The high pitch produces an uh, an irritating sound to the ears, I guess. And then the last one is variety of sound. So there is different or we have different sound being produced all at the same time this produces confusion as well to the person listening to the sound so these are the different sensory activities and their equivalent calming and alerting examples we'll move on to the next topic which is um, the proprioceptive activities so during the last training or during the training session for day two we have discussed some examples as well for this sense the following are the sensory movements associated with our proprioceptive. Rocking the chair. Climbing. It is a muscle activity. Bike riding, which is also a muscle activity. Okay, so the information that we have discussed so far, the ideal is to be aware of these triggers so we can move away from those 
activities that will not support the sensory needs of a person. So what we can usually do is to manage the alert levels and make sure that the activity will be enjoyable journey for everyone. That the samples provided may be applied on a case-to-case -case basis. So we just need to understand our child and the person we are looking after. So we will continue our sensory processing discussion next week. So stay tuned. I hope you did enjoy this session. Just to be aware that given the rise of COVID cases around New Zealand um, during this recording, or as of this recording, there's a chance that succeeding training sessions might be cancelled or moved to a different schedule. So we will be, we were informed that this may happen. And in any case, we will continue to discuss succeeding training sessions. But I might need to pause this discussion on a later date and we will just talk about something else. So stay tuned and we'll keep you posted. Every Tangata Faitakewatanga, or person with autism, is different. If you fail with one strategy, don't stop. Keep moving forward. Always remember that for every failure you encounter, it's one step closer to your success. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Memuto te fakawa haire. Let's stop judging others. Memahi tahi tato. Let's all work together. Kiamaya, kiakaha. Be brave and be strong. Please don't forget to like and share so others can also find us. Thank you.